Bo knows. Bo looked through the window to ensure the officer had driven off. You weren't answering your phone because you killed Margot and her well-hung lover? No. But Bo, it's several billion times worse. We should sit down for this. I told him about shot-in-the-face Brock and what he'd told me about aliens blowing up the earth. Bo seemed to be taking me seriously until I told him about how huge Peaches was and how fast she could run and jump. Parker, are you okay? Did you kill Margot and her lover? You know I love your creativity, but I don't think this is the time or the place. You can tell me anything and I'll help you. I'll even help you bury the body. But you have to tell me the truth. I think you're under a tremendous amount of stress right now, selling your business and finding out about Margot's infidelity. I could give a fuck about Margot. I meant it, too. Mad that he would even give her cheating a dignified label like infidelity. I understand you think I'm crazy, because the story is so unbelievable, but I saw the top-secret government file. It was legit. I read the whole thing. There was a farm boy out in a field having his way with an older cow named Luann, and a silver orb came down and stopped a foot off the ground. The kid said a laser came out of the center like the rings around Saturn and cut through anything in their way. That's how the cows had their legs cut off, and that's why Brock was out there. He was trying to dick the farmer on an insurance claim. This laser began burrowing into the ground without displacing the dirt. The laser was turning the dirt into metal, creating a cylinder. Now the metal cylinder is 500 feet wide and going deeper and deeper as we speak. The Army Corps of Engineers say they can't stop it, let alone figure out what it is. The metal has electromagnetic qualities, and every time they try to dig around the cylinder, the thing turns magnetic. I saw a picture of two huge backhoes crushed flat against the surface. There are cylinders like this encircling the Earth. The GPS coordinates of their placement are perfectly aligned. Perfect as in not one of them is off by an inch perfect. The report said the metallurgical qualities and the precision of the cylinder placement indicate that the origin is most likely extraterrestrial. Based on the current growth rate of the cylinders, it said we had two weeks left. That was a week ago. We're fucked, and I'm not crazy. I'm telling you the truth. The farmer kid was having sex with a cow named Luann. It actually said that in the report. Bo was stuck in the minutia. I didn't think stuff like that happened either. Do they name all the cows in Iowa? That's an interesting question, and I wish I knew the answer. I do. But can we get back to the point here? Did the farmer kid get his legs cut off? He was on a stool. The stool was cut in half. There was even a picture of it. The kid and his entire town are being held in a designated, secured location so as not to spread panic and chaos. What's the kid's name? Are you kidding me? Because I just told you the world's about to be blown in two, and you're only asking me about the kid banging a cow part. I'm sorry, Parker. I'm really, really sorry. He started toward me to give me a sorry-you've-gone-crazy hug, but I stopped him. We need to get you some help. You're telling me Margot and her lover died in a murder-suicide orchestrated by a poorly endowed government assassin and his 400-pound lover, and that you thought you pushed them off a cliff in South America, but it was really Southern California. Hold on. Peaches killed Margot and her lover. She also fell off the cliff trying to grab a bag of off-brand powdered sugar donuts. 
I didn't push her. I did push Dusty off the cliff, but he landed on an outcropping and only broke his arm, although it was a pretty bad break. It wasn't until I expertly threw up on him that he lost his grip and fell to his death. Everyone knows one arm climbing is dangerous. And her name was Peaches? Yes. Feel this lump on the back of my head. I wouldn't do this to myself. Dusty hit me with a rock. Bo felt the lump. Fair enough. Uh, but I want you to know that I love you, and I'm here for you, and we're going to get you help. I'm not crazy. Okay? Okay? You are under a lot of stress. Deny that. Bo, it's too much, Parker. How do I prove it to you then? I can take you to the car with Brock's body in it. Gross. No thanks. You said you were in California yesterday. Can you prove that? Yes, I announced triumphantly. I pulled the In-N-Out Burger restaurant receipt from my wallet like a winning lottery ticket and handed it to Bo. He went white and sat down in shock, staring at the receipt. Look at the date. It's a lot of food. I also bought lunch for the little guy that gave me a ride to the airport. In-N-Out Burger is so good. Is this a joke? Please tell me this is a joke. Let me off the hook. Bo looked up at me. I had tears in my eyes. It felt so good to tell someone, especially someone I could trust to believe me, like Bo. He had bailed me out of so many situations, but there was nothing he could do this time, and that's what made me lose my shit, that and thinking of all that Bo was about to lose. We cried together, which I couldn't see myself enjoying on a regular basis, but it felt good to share my end-of-the-world grief with someone else. What are we going to do? He looked at me. We've got to do something. I didn't say anything. I could tell Bo was going through the it's up to me and my kid brother to save the world options in his head, and I was afraid he might think one of them was viable. Well, we've got to do something. He trailed off like he'd just stopped short of a mistake. Save the world, I said, in fear. Yeah, fuck that, he said, coming to his senses after a moment of contemplation. <laughs> I guess we can just make the most of it, right? Do you think we could do something to save the world? Hell no. I put too much milk in my cereal on a daily basis. I can't save shit. Thank God. I have no interest in trying either. Can you believe we live 20 minutes away from Six Flags and I've never been? What does that say about me that I have to wait until the end of the world to go to Six Flags? A lot, actually, I laughed. I'm going to say goodbye to everybody around here and go to Saga Talk. Michigan? Why? Sarah Campbell. Oh, Sarah Campbell from Purdue, Sarah Campbell? She's married with kids. You told me. Who told you that? I can't remember. I think it was Dina Bocas. Well, Dina would know. I don't care, though. I'm not going to profess my love or anything. I just want to see her again and see what she's done with her life. I know it sounds creepy, but even before the world was ending, I would think about her almost every day. Have you ever felt like there was the one that got away? I've never wanted anyone to stay. Well, Sarah is mine. I'd just like to be near her when the world blows up. Is that too corny? Plus, if I can't be with my family, where else am I going to go? It's not corny at all, Parker. She was your first love. She was wonderful. But why wouldn't you stay here with us? 
That ship has sailed. She's married with kids. Stay here with us. We're your family. This is the last place I want to be. Outside of you guys, why would I want to be here? To bask in the afterglow of Margot's exploits? That's a pretty sucky last week of life, don't you think? And even if I wanted to, I couldn't stay here. I have to leave in case they come back for me. Just knowing about this has me marked for death. Jesus, why did you tell me then? Now I'm a marked man. I have a child. I needed to tell someone and you thought I killed my wife. I couldn't let you think that. Plus, you're my best friend. Who else am I going to tell? You're right. I'm glad you told me. I'm your big bro. I love you unconditionally. And I don't care if you've committed woman slaughter. Seriously, though, tell me the truth. You didn't kill her, did you? Bo, I didn't kill her. Okay, okay, okay. We can't tell another soul. For once, the government's right. There'd be mass hysteria if everyone knew, and that would harsh my mellow big time. Stay here with us. We'll take the risk together. I'll tell you one thing. The first thing I'm doing is getting Gramps out of that disgusting home. I hate the thought of him in there. He told me he just sits in his bed waiting to die. I was there last week, and he asked me to unplug the humidifier. What? He thought it was his life support machine, Bo laughed. I can't stay, Bo. I'll help you with Gramps, but I have to leave Atlanta. I understand, I guess. Well, you can't fly. You can't buy a plane ticket with cash, and the government might be watching your credit cards for activity. Shit sauce. I didn't think about any of that. I just financed 100% of my new car, tickled I'd never have to pay him back. Oops. There was nothing I could do now, but I knew they'd come looking for me in Atlanta, so my time here had to be quick. I pointed to my new car parked in front. No sweat. I'll drive. Bo was already looking through the window at my new rig, a massive midnight blue BMW 750Li. I joined him. It was the most beautiful car I'd ever seen, and in my mind the finest road machine man could build. Holy shit, is that your new car? That is gorgeous. I belong in that car. He looked at me, deathly serious. Parker, are you sure you haven't lost your marbles? I'm not crazy, Bo. The situation is. I remember Dusty's bag of money. Let me show you something else. I opened the back black pack. Bo was speechless as I handed him stacks of money. I felt sick with regret. Here, Bo, this is for being a great big brother and the best friend anyone could ask for. Dusty and Peaches were using it to light their gas fireplace. They should be shot. He flipped through the stacks of bills in lust. Well, how about falling down a cliff and bouncing off jagged rocks? What is it called when you break your arm and the bone comes out of your skin? A compound fracture? Well, after I pushed him off the cliff, Dusty's arm broke like a twig. It was a compound fracture, and it was disgusting. Bo didn't seem to think it was as great as I thought it was. You're serious. This is really happening, isn't it? You couldn't possibly be making this up and playing a trick on me. I'm sorry, Bo. Well, then why on earth are we sitting around here talking about this? Let's go get Gramps while Landon is with Miss Livingston. Perfect, I asked Bo. You know what I'm most pissed about? What? Look at me. I haven't eaten junk food or smoked weed forever. I run 12 miles a week to stay skinny like this. And it was all for that cheating whore. 
I wish I had been eating like that cop has for the past five years. Well, I'm going to call bullshit on that. You haven't smoked as much weed and you still eat garbage. Remember getting torqued out of our mind two weeks ago and watching an entire movie in those shitty, uncomfortable 3D glasses? Then we found out the movie wasn't shot in 3D, I laughed. I got lost going to the bathroom and you ate like five or six of those foot-long Rice Krispie bars? Okay, well, not as much weed as I would have smoked. And those Rice Krispie bars don't count. They're mostly air. Right. But you look great and you feel better about yourself. I can tell. Well, all bets are off now. I'm going to eat like a pig and smoke like a fucking chimney. No, sir, that's a bad plan. You get way too paranoid when you smoke as it is. You should be asking yourself if you want to be baked with the CIA after you and the earth about to be blown in two. That would be great for you. He was right. Okay, great points. I'll skip the weed, but I'm going to eat garbage food almost exclusively. You know what I think sucks, Parker? You'll never write that story you told me about at Christmas. The one about you and me, except we're all country and we fish. I thought you were going to write that during your break. I just think that's a travesty. I made the mistake of telling Bo, the older brother from the bear, was based on him. Every time you send me a funny email, I always think to myself, when is he going to write that story about his big brother? If I can remember correctly, somebody else wanted you to write that story too. What was her name? Bo's narcissism was clouding the picture. He was bummed I wasn't writing about him, not because I wasn't writing. Bo was always in the market for a tribute. Unlike Rose, he encouraged and embraced every tribute, compliment, or accolade pointed in his direction. He was a narcissistic genius, quickly using Sarah as leverage to get what he wants. He was right. She wanted me to write the story, too. We came up with it together. It's a moot point now, isn't it? Saying it made me feel weird until it hit me. Bo's narcissism clouded the picture but illuminated another genius idea. What if I wrote it now? How long could it take? It didn't matter. I didn't have to finish it. As long as I'd started writing, it would give me the sliver of credibility I might need in Talk. I'd stay with my plan to waltz innocently into Sarah's hardware store and feign shock at the coincidence. Oh gosh, Sarah, you're not going to believe this coincidence, but I've just started riding the bear. You have? she would say, filled with curiosity. Yes, and I'm not a loser anymore, and I've been super successful in real estate. I would probably do it smoother than that, but you get the drift. I wonder if I could actually finish the short story. Would she read it and look back fondly about us, or think, that's the asshole that made me get an abortion? I liked the idea of writing it for her and Bo. It seemed less creepy than writing something for a married woman as an excuse to see if she was still hot. It was a tribute to Bo after all, and he deserved it. It couldn't take me that long to write it, and if we're being honest, I doubted if I'd ever see Sarah again. With my luck, she'd probably be away with her family on summer vacation. For some reason, though, I still found myself wanting to write it and go see Sarah. Fuck it. That's my new plan. Why don't you and Landon come with me to Saga Talk? I'm going to ask Chewy to come too. I'll write this tribute for you if you drive, I said to Bo, now trying to leverage his narcissism for my benefit. I love the thought of me driving that car. 
but there's no way I'm spending three of my last days driving you across the country. It's a 12-hour drive. I realized after I said it, it wasn't a fit. Bo didn't have patience nor the attention span. If I had someone to drive me, I knew I could finish it before we got to Saugatuck. It was a short story, and I'd long since worked it out in my head. Not wasting 12 of my last hours on the highway. No way, Jay. What if I drive and you fly? Will you come with me to Michigan? I'll buy a kick-ass house for us to live out our last days in style. You know how beautiful Saugatuck is during the summer. We can take the whole crew, Landon, Chewy, Grandma, Miss Livingston, everybody. You're inviting Miss Livingston? Bo was amazed. I don't give a fuck anymore, Bo. Miss Livingston can drive me. That's funny. We could tip two-by-fours to her legs to reach the pedals. I no can see Parker Duke. I no can chef Parker Duke. His imitation was pitch perfect. Yes, let's do it. Parker, I'm sorry. I can't. My life is here in Atlanta, and I can't leave it. I understand why you have to leave, and I want you to scratch your itch. His conviction was visibly fading. Do they have the six flags up there? He paused. No, actually, we'll stay here with Mom, Dad, Gramps, and Chewy. You go. Follow your heart. There was a knock at the door. Bo froze, and I jumped into the hall closet. I felt like a ridiculous coward until the massive bruise on my leg started aching, reminding me of why I was hiding. Even though I saw him fall to his painful death, I had a weird feeling Dusty wasn't done with me yet. Jesus, am I glad to see you, Bo laughed. Oh, Parker, you can come out of the closet now. The joy at which he used this joke was telling. I wondered if it was finally time for him to come out. I mean, now that the world's ending and all. He's got to be bumming about that. I wondered if that's why he wanted to stay back in Atlanta. If you're gay, Atlanta is a pretty spectacular place to be. Please don't call me that. You know I prefer Chewy. It was my adopted younger brother, Jesus, a Mexican youth who just happens to share his name with Jesus, a famous carpenter you might have heard of. Chewy is a common nickname for folks named Jesus, which I've heard there are a lot of, but I only knew one. Seeing Chewy brought a smile to my face. He was dressed in what has come to be his uniform, a knit polo shirt with the collar upturned, navy shorts and flip-flops. His shorts were shorter than the usual shorts you might see on a 15-year-old boy, and you couldn't blame him for wearing them. Jesus Chewy Duke, by all accounts, was a beautiful young man, a Mexican Adonis with sun-kissed blonde hair, long legs, and a year-round tan. His blonde hair certainly stood out, but Chewy's legs were breathtaking. I envied Chewy for his legs. I didn't own shorts. My legs are so white they reflect sunlight on a nearby objects like a mirror would. A conversation starter, sure, but also a distraction I didn't want any part of. I'm sure my legs could be tan with the help of a nuclear-powered tanning salon, but the only time I ever care is when Chewy is over, and understandably, he never wants to go tanning. Both my parents smoke weed, but my father smokes a lot of weed. Chewy is a wonderful part of the Duke family as a result of my father's voracious weed habit. One night, Dad was walking off a giant Atkins Park barbecue sandwich. As was the practice before he went on walks, he torqued up beforehand. Twenty minutes into the walk, he freaked out and mistook a simple case of indigestion for a four-alarm heart attack. 
He called mom like his hair was on fire and screamed for her to call an ambulance. She, of course, started freaking out and screamed like her hair was on fire as well. Tell me where you are. I'm calling an ambulance. It looked like they might have been racing towards a speedy resolution until dad shared his location. Two doors down from the incredibly hot woman who lives in the White House in back of Murphy's restaurant. Mom did what every wife who had been pushed over the edge one too many times would do. She hung up. It was Chewy that found Dad that night, lying on the ground, faking death, or as most people call it, sleeping. After Dad realized he wasn't dying, Chewy introduced him to his mother, the incredibly hot woman who lives in the White House in back of Murphy's restaurant. She would later become his girlfriend and roommate after Mom kicked him out of the house. The incredibly hot woman who lives in the White House in back of Murphy's restaurant was named Deborah. Deborah worked as a hairdresser and was a couple cards short of a full deck. She was proof that if you're good-looking enough, nobody cares about any of your shortcomings, and certainly not my old man. A year earlier, Deborah had quote-unquote adopted Chewy on the beach while on vacation in Mexico. It soon became clear Deborah's desire for a personal hair model and billboard was her primary reason for adopting Chewy. She was already well known for her skill in dyeing hair blonde and creating natural blonde highlights, but having Chewy walking around looking like a young Mexican Brad Pitt put her business over the top. I remember her speaking for 20 minutes at dinner about Brad Pitt's hair and a river runs through it. Deborah was a skillful practitioner. She had both Bo and Dad's naturally lion-like manes glowing like I'd never seen. And I know it hasn't been easy for Chewy to keep his hair as beautiful and blonde since she left. I asked Mom why she spent money keeping Chewy golden, and she told me without hesitation, What Jesus wants, Jesus gets. A handsome Mexican kid with blonde hair and short shorts doesn't happen in every room, so Chewy was used to the attention and most times welcomed it. Dad had expertly applied his natural blonde hair and the money illusion to get into Deborah's pants, and they dated for a while until Mom and Dad split their assets. When Dad wasn't able to pay for everything like he used to, it wasn't good. It turns out, after the illusion of money dried up, so did Deborah's passion for fucking way older men. Somehow, someway, my father got my mother to take him and Chewy back, and they've been together unmarried ever since. Now, Chewy's a duke, the adopted Mexican son of Dad's weed-induced dalliance. He's basically been on his own since the age of eight, as both of my parents have grown weary of parenting. I spend a lot of time with him as a result, and you couldn't ask for a nicer kid. Funny and odd, with too much swearing, perhaps, but a great kid. Um, what's with the hug? He asked after I let him go. Poor Chewy was going to be devastated about Margot. Margot died yesterday, Chewy. Bo couldn't wait to share the bad news. I was ready for Chewy to start bawling. Dead? He looked confused, not upset. As in six feet under dead? Yes, Bo and I said together, Bo with more enthusiasm. Are you okay? Chewy said to me. I'm going to be fine, Chewy. Okay. Bummer, right? Nah, I shrugged. Not really. She was cheating on me and her lover shot her. Whoa, what a fucking hole! Chewy exploded. Good riddance, right? She was hot, though, bro. You were hitting that, weren't you? We were married. That's cool. So you got yours. Don't sweat it. He high-fived me. Did you ever take dirty pics or anything like that? Chewy both stopped him cold. I started laughing. No such luck, Chewy. I looked over and Bo was laughing, too. 
Great speech, bro, but I thought I asked you not to mention me. Whatever. I'm proud you're my little bro. No way I'm not shouting you out. Really? I said that wrong. Yeah, he said, smiling. He wasn't upset. I knew he'd get a kick out of it. Am I the only one who hasn't heard about this speech? Bo asked. I turned to Bo to explain. Rusty asked me to speak the Grady's last day of school assembly. Somebody named Dusty Peaches 69 posted it on YouTube, bro. There are like a gazillion views. You're a star now. I looked at Bo, and he looked at me. His usual George Hamilton tan was two shades wider. Chewy, I know you're an accomplished driver already, but how's your driver's ed coming along? I asked, intrigued by the possibilities. Terrible. Pops won't let me drive his car, and you know I'm a great driver. Mom says she doesn't have time. Let's practice. You can drive my new car. We're about to spring gramps from the old folks' home, Bo said, excited. Chewy didn't hesitate. Fuck it, I'm in.